you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the California Underground. I'm your host, Phil. Something special going on today, something I've never done before. So for all the audio listeners out there who are loyal audio listeners, something interesting going on. Just want to give you a heads up of what's happening. It'll be a little bit different than our normal podcast is I will be streaming the podcast, the recording of the podcast live on my Instagram TV, live Instagram right now. So if you're watching Instagram TV, thank you for joining. As you can see, I am hooked up to multiple microphones. I have this one, which is for the podcast, which is what I'm recording right now. And then I have this little one right here, which is for the phone and for Instagram. Going to turn this back a little bit. So first off, thanks to all the people who are jumping on right now to watch the recording of the podcast, to be a participant in it, because I think this way it makes it a little bit more interactive. You can be a part of it. You can ask questions, um, how it's going to work today. It's going to be a little bit different than like coffee and California politics, where we do it every Wednesday. We just sort of have like this free form, sit, chat, all that sort of thing. What we're going to do today is I have topics. I have articles that I go over. We talk about it. We read about them. Um, and then I give you my intake, a little bit of insight in it. But today, because there are all the new followers and listeners who are joining right now, I see all of you just scrolling up. That's awesome. Thank you for joining so much. Uh, I'm going to set aside some time at the end to answer questions. So if you have a question that you want me to answer here on the podcast, what you need to do is you're going to ask a question down below so I could see it. Because if I'm trying to find all the questions uh, as they're scrolling, it'll be a little bit harder because I can't really follow that while I'm also trying to do the podcast. So the best way, if you want to ask a question to be answered on this podcast today is to ask a question on this little button down here. I think that's the button you push. And I will put aside probably like 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes to just kind of answer your questions as if you're calling into the show or you have something to ask of me while we're recording this podcast. So if this is your first time, you never listened to my podcast, welcome. This is a great way for you to get an idea of how my podcast goes, uh, how I do it. We always start with this out of the gate monologue and we talk about what's going on in a little bit of national news as well as some California politics, but mostly California politics. So as always... Let's get started with our out of the gate monologue. This past week, President Joe Biden gave his first address to a joint and sparsely attended session of Congress. In the speech, he talked about how the Constitution talks about we the people and goes on to state we the people is us, the government. Now, I have no idea which of his speech writers thought that this was a good line, but it should absolutely horrify anyone when they think about it. The truth is, the government we set up is for the people, of the people, and by the people. The central theme there being, of course, the people. Our founders set up this style of government and revolutionized how citizens were governed. Never before did the citizenry have such an enormous voice in the government. They could and were encouraged to be engaged in the government. The people within our legislatures were there to represent us, not ordained by God of some sort of holy lineage. Which brings me to the race for governor and the newly certified recall election. I'm always asked, who should we support for governor? Who's going to save the state? And most recently, if not Major Williams, then who? 
Now, jokes aside, the truth is none of them will. And I'm sorry to break the truth to you this way, but nobody currently running or set to run will save California from what is happening. One person is not going to save our state, but that's exactly how our founders intended it. They intended for the government to be accountable to the people. Now, let's take the recall, for example. While there were a couple people who started and officially kicked off the recall, the truth is the recall succeeded because of the work of thousands of people coming together for one cause. Now, while I'm sure there are people who would like to take credit for the recall, I'm looking at you, uh, Carl DeMaio. It wasn't one person who came in and saved California by getting the recall across the finish line. It was the people. If you're starting to see where I'm going, then good, because that's the point. There isn't going to be one transcendent figure who saves California. There is no magical candidate for governor who will come in and wave a magic wand to rescue us. The work is much harder than pulling the lever for one person. And not to sound hokey and cliche, but in all honesty, the person to save California is you. Yes, you. The person who says they will run for school board. The person who says they will attend more county supervisor meetings to ask the tough questions. You are the person who is going to save California. You, me, we, we the people will save California. It's how the recall succeeded and how anything else will get done in California if we want to rescue it before it is too late. So to Joe's point, no. We the people does not mean the government. It means We the people who can at any moment collectively rise up and make changes for ourselves because we change it and we can save California. So just a little bit of a wrap up about Biden. I don't like to really talk about too much national stuff unless it's like really big national stuff. Uh, Boring speech. Did you fall asleep? I, if it wasn't for Steven Crowder and watching him do his commentary on it, I probably wouldn't be able to make it through the entire Biden speech. I'd probably fall asleep or be on my phone. Excuse me. I'm drinking some green tea today because it's a little dry down here in Southern California, a little hot and dry. Uh, but I mean, it was a, a wish list of huge liberal policies, trillions of dollars, which we don't have to spend. Oh, I see a first question. Make sure you ask the questions down below. I'm going to get to the questions later, kind of like as a question portion of the podcast. Uh, yeah, no problem. I know everyone's jumping in uh, at different times. So got put all the questions down below and I'm going to get to them. There's going to be a little portion of the show right now that I'm going to get to and just answer questions. Uh, so again, about the Biden speech, I mean, it's terrifying. And the only reason it wasn't super terrifying to a lot of people is because he told in such a boring way. Um, in the sense that he just proposed trillions of dollars in spending because he thinks that the government, as much as they spend and the more that they tax, because we got to raise taxes on capital gains and we have to raise taxes on, uh, the wealthy. And as you may have saw with my TikTok that I put out today, that, uh, Sarah Jacob, someone like that, who's a millionaire from billionaire family wants to be taxed more, which of course you can always donate more money to, uh, the government, if she so chooses, she could also make it so her taxes all go to the government. She's not avoiding or taking any deductions. I mean, that's always her choice. But it was a definite laundry list of far left ideology. And you can see when he got off the stage or he got off the podium, you saw the first people agree and were really like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, which shows you sort of the camp that he's in right now. And I was really hoping 
that Joe Biden for at least the next four years would be some sort of like moderate corporatist Democrat, like just kind of middle in the middle of the road. Maybe his Wall Street buddies would kind of get their access and stuff like that. But most of it, nothing really would get done. But I'm, it, it's terrifying to see just how far left Joe Biden actually has gone at this point uh, with the amount of money and what he's proposing. He's proposing enormous gun control laws. I mean, it's just it, it's like if you're a conservative, this is your nightmare list of stuff right now that he has proposed uncontrolled spending, raising taxes on everybody, as well as taking away your second amendment rights. This is the, this is the polar opposite, I guess, of what you would say the Trump administration was when the Trump administration was really all about lowering taxes, making it better for the free market economy, trying to curb spending, cutting regulation, cutting the red tape of government and trying to protect your second amendment rights. It's almost like the polar opposite than the photo negative. Um, so that's all I have to say. How much of it's actually going to get through Congress? I'm not really sure. This is a very far left ideology, and they have two senators uh, on their side who have really become like the thorn in their side, which is Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin. Those two have really become the thorn in the side of the Biden agenda. And it's almost like if those two can hold out just for like maybe the next year and a half and not give into a lot of these far left policies, there's a good chance that can get to the the midterms and maybe take away at least one chamber away from the Democrats. So then we can have gridlock until the next presidential election. So that's really what we can hope for is that maybe those two can hold on. But as of right now, even Mitt Romney said that the proposals that he's put forward, these big spending proposals are not that great and they should not be passed. So when you have Mitt Romney coming out against you, who's basically just a rhino anyway, that's not a good thing. So that's my thoughts on that, but I want to get into some California news because the two stories really link into each other and they have to do with big tech and the amount of influence they've had and how much power they've wielded and worked with the California state government. And you can see where uh, Governor Noodles is going to get his power and his money from going forward in the recall. So I want to talk about these two stories real quick and then we'll get to your questions and field some of those. So let me pull those up right now. Uh, okay, so the first story comes from, hold please. The first story comes from the Epic Times. And as I always say, if you haven't subscribed to the Epic Times, you should be subscribing to the Epic Times because it is a fantastic news site. And even though, yeah, they are a little bit more conservative and more a little right leaning, the way they write is more factual. It doesn't seem like they're so like in your face, like a Fox News or something or like a Breitbart. Breitbart is like in your face, like Breitbart is like we're conservative. We're this. So just deal with it. But the Epic Times is a little bit better. I like them. So this story comes from the Epic Times and the title is California officials Biden linked firm coordinated with big tech to censor election posts, according to Judicial Watch. Uh, let me read a little bit of you and I'll give you my in thoughts about California officials colluded with big tech to censor social media posts in the United States during the 2020 presidential election. Government watchdog Judicial Watch announced Tuesday. The findings come after Judicial Watch received 540 pages and a further four pages of documents from the office of the Secretary of State of California in response to an open records request. It had filed the request after a December 2020 report surfaced revealing that California's Office of Election Cybersecurity, I didn't even know that actually existed, had surveilled and asked the social media giants to remove or flag as 
misleading at least two dozen messages. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton said that SKD uh, Knickerbocker, a communications company linked to President Joe Biden's election campaign, was involved in the censoring of speech during last year's election period. The company did this by sharing its misinformation daily briefings with California officials who then passed them on to social media giants Facebook, Twitter, and Google for dissemination according to Judicial Watch. These new documents suggest a conspiracy against the First Amendment rights of Americans by the California Secretary of State, the Biden campaign operation, and big tech, Tom Fitton said. Uh, Jen, Jenna Dresner, Senior Public Information Officer for the Office of Election Cybersecurity, responded to the December report at the time saying that we don't take down posts. That is not our role to play. We alert potential sources of information to the social media companies and we let them make the call based on community standards that they have created. In another instance, a Facebook user who implied having voted twice with multiple ballots had their posts removed on October 31st, 2020. Other posts removed by social media giants included claims of voter fraud, receiving multiple ballots in the mail, and finding thousands of alleged unopened ballots in dumpsters. Meanwhile, a Twitter post from Fitton that said mailing 51 million ballots to those who haven't had asked for increases risk of voter fraud or voter intimidation, which was flagged by this company, SKD Knickerbocker, as part of the misinformation tracker. Washington-based SKD Knickerbocker said in a statement last November that it developed the Biden's campaign vote-by-mail program in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Arizona. See a pattern there? So, I've said this before. Politicians have figured out a way, especially the left has figured out a way, that they don't have to worry so much about the Constitution because they can just get private companies to do it on their behalf, right? Take, for example, this Office of Election Cybersecurity, which I never knew existed until I read this article goes out and says, this is incorrect information, I'm going to take it down. That's a clear violation of the First Amendment because the First Amendment protects the government restricting your, your freedom of speech, correct? However, when they what they do is they say, okay, well, we're going to take this stuff that we've seen and we're just going to, we're just going to let social media know that there's some misinformation out there and they might want to look into it. It's kind of like if somebody just reported your post and says misinformation. So the, the government doesn't really get into the nitty gritty of taking down your speech or restricting speech or censoring speech. Instead, what happens is they just let the private companies do it. And it's a perfect partnership. So even this girl, Jenna Dresner, who is part of the Office of Elections Cybersecurity, she said, we don't take down posts. That's not our role to play. Well, of course, you don't take down posts. You would be facing an enormous First Amendment lawsuit. However, if you all you do is you see it and then you refer it to these companies, then all of a sudden you're part of the process. Does this create a First Amendment lawsuit? It would be a certainly interesting argument for a First Amendment lawsuit because the government is in a way tangentially um, involved in the restriction of speech online. But then you can go back and say, well, they're private companies, so they can do whatever they want. And they can take down whatever they want, which then leads us back to the question of how powerful is big tech? 
But as far as I know, I don't know of any other state government outside of California that has an office like this that works so closely with companies to start taking down misinformation or what they label as misinformation. Now, keep in mind, this is not misinformation because it is misinformation. This isn't like saying the sky is red or, um, you know, there's going to be like lizard people coming out of the sewers pretty soon. We're talking about misinformation that they deem misinformation. So any talk about voter fraud, any questions about COVID or vaccines or anything like that, they can go in and say, well, this is misinformation. We don't want it. So you have to go ahead and take it down. Does it all seem a little too much like the, if there's smoke, there's fire? I would say so, because at, at, at this point, you have a company that's worked closely. If you go on their site, which I did before I jumped on here, if you go to this company site, SKD Knickerbocker, and you look and the first page is a picture of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. So it's a buy. They're not shy about that. They worked with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, but they're now working with the state, uh, state of California government to take down information and alert a lot of these big tech companies. To me, that seems like if there's smoke, there's fire, and it seems like a lot of collusion between this company that worked with Biden and this company that is now working with the state of California, and they're all colluding to kind of take down all this stuff. Um, which leads me really to the next article I want to get to, because if you think Gavin Newsom is not going to have enough backing from big tech when it comes to this recall election, we haven't seen anything yet. I fully believe that as this recall election gets certified and as we really get into it, big tech is really going to take a hard stance against anything about the recall. In fact, I would not be shocked if there's going to be a lot of Post taken down, there's going to be a lot of community guidelines about this because of the fact that Newsom has worked so closely with a lot of these big tech companies. And that's going to be the point of this next article. So this next article comes from, it was originally published in, hold on. It was originally published in the LA Times, so it's reprinted or republished in Uh, Yahoo News. And the title is Facebook, Google, and other corporate giants flooded Newsom with a record $226 million in charity donations in 2020. So before we begin, I want to give you a little background on what's going on here. It's not donations, particularly to Gavin Newsom himself. What it is, is what they're called behest payments or behest contributions. Behest meaning they kind of imply or ask that you give some money to help out. And now whether that's public advocacy or a charity, it's not to a person or a political candidate themselves, but they can ask, can you help with this and donate money to this? And it's it's kind of a, a symbiotic relationship because the companies, as we'll see in this article, what happens is the companies give money to these causes or these agencies to help out. And then on the back end, they get these big lucrative contracts. Oh, and it's tax deductible. So when you actually make these contributions, they're tax deductible. So we're going to get into the article and show you how if you think big tech and Gavin Newsom and state of California aren't all in the same bed together, and they're all not going to work together to try and stop the recall, then I don't know what more evidence you're going to need after this. Uh, So where does it start? Got a little screwed up in my formatting. So let me pull it up. 
Facebook, Google, and Blue Shield California are among the companies that contributed $226 million to government causes on Governor Gavin Newsom's behalf last year. An unprecedented level of spending that is raising alarms about the influence large corporations are amassing in Sacramento. State records reviewed by the Times show that the so-called behested payments surged in 2020 compared with the year prior when companies gifted $12.1 million on Newsom's behalf. The governor's haul last year during the COVID-19 pandemic was six times as much as the reported by former Governor Jerry Brown during his final eight years in office combined. With no limit on how much money can be donated by organizations or individuals at the behest of the governor, millions of dollars flowed into prop up public services during the pandemic and fund Newsom's favorite programs, including an effort to address homelessness and public safety, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and this just goes on to talk about, so under California law, donations consider a behested payment when an elected official or someone acting on their behalf asks an organization to donate money or services to a nonprofit or government agency for a legislative, governmental, or charitable purpose, such as supplying free airtime to run public health ads or giving cash to the governor's program promoting volunteerism. General requests for charitable donations not directed at any particular organization are not required to be reported at behested payments, according to the state's campaign finance watchdog agency, the Fair Political Practices Commission. Um, the top donor of behested payments to Newsom in 2020 was tech giant Facebook, which gave $27 million for gift cards that went to frontline healthcare workers and for public health ads. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, Dr. Priscilla Chan, gave another $3.7 million for COVID-19-related uh, efforts, such as polling services aimed at improving public health. Uh, more than $43 million behested payments was earmarked in 2020 for the governor's office, including $500,000 from YouTube, $300,000 from TikTok, and $227,000 from Netflix, with those donations used for public health ads. COVID vaccine maker Pfizer gave $250,000 on behalf of the governor to a nonprofit providing trailers to house families in need of shelter during the pandemic. And guess who's getting pushed? Pfizer. Um, so in 1997, they go on to talk a little bit about where it came from. The California legislature sought to characterize payments made on behalf of an elected official that were not campaign related or personal gifts calling them behested payments and enacting reporting requirements to inform the public of significant transactions involving an elected official and the influence that may accompany the payments. Um, the question raised is always about whether it curries favor versus whether it benefits society or charity. FPPC spokesman Jay Waringa said of a behested payment. How do you balance that for now? This is how the legislature has determined how to make that balance by allowing it by requiring disclosure at a certain point. So what happens is a lot of these companies are making these donations, these behested payments. Um, what follows is you start to see they kind of jump in the front of the line. So if it's almost like, well, if you help me out on this issue, Mark, yeah, you might be in front of the line. We're going to put you in front of the line so you can get this huge contract that's worth millions of dollars. And the California legislature really, I guess, has no problem with that. There's a lot of reform people are saying this is this is an issue um, because now what's happening is you're really just paying favors and you're trying to get to the front line by paying. And you see it's the same companies over and over again. It's the big tech, Facebook, Google, Twitter, all of them are the same exact company who keep getting in front of the line. So 
For example, it says Google gave $7 million on April 9th, 2020 in behested donation to Newsom's office for public health ads. Days later, Verily, the health-focused subsidiary of Google parent company Alphabet was awarded an expanded no-bid contract for $13.1 million for coronavirus testing. Verily was ultimately paid more than $68 million for the three testing services contracted before the state ended the agreements earlier this year. Now, let's see. They, Google gave $7 million in a behested donation to Gavin Newsom or his to his public health ads. He can't remember. It can't be to Gavin Newsom himself, but it can go to a what they call a worthy cause. And I guess COVID to them is the worthy cause that they're they're donating to. So Google gave seven million dollars, and then a subsidiary company of Google brought in. Let's see, almost over seventy million dollars. That's quite the return. That's a ten x return on your investment. You give $7 million at a behested donation, turn around, the state gives you $70 million of taxpayer money back. Um, to me, that reeks of absolute corruption. And people say this is a good idea, oh, this works, and this is why we should do it. And, but this again, I've said this before, the coronavirus pandemic has really, especially in the state of California, if not across the nation, we have seen how coronavirus has exposed the absolute rot that is happening in the state of California government. And this is just one example that seven million Google gave $7 million and they got a 10 X return to a subsidiary of our taxpayer money is now, is that not crazy? That should infuriate every single person in California that they jumped in front of the line because Newsom gave, asked them for this donation and then they got in front of the line and they made even more money. So of course you want to be asked to give money. If you're one of these big companies, of course you want to ask to be given money to one of these causes because it looks like you'll get your 10x return, if not 5x, 10x return on your money. Uh, okay, let's see. There's a couple more in here. Other companies that gave up a half of Newsom last year and later received contracts include Management consulting firm McKinsey and Co., which gave $250,000 in an April 2020 behested payment and received, you ready for this? You ready for this? A $6 million no bid contract three months later. Oh, someone just commented on my New York Mets mug. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm a sorry New York Mets fan. It's a burden I live with. Um, that's an even bigger return on your money. You gave $250,000. I'm not good at math. If someone's good at math, tell me what the actual return on that is. But they gave you $6 million contract in return. No wonder companies are going to be lining up to do these behested payments. Because you're, 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 you're going to make so much money at the hands of the government. They're going to just give you these enormous contracts. McKinsey was again tapped for a contract in February of this year, signing a two-month, $13 million contract to support California's vaccine efforts. So now you combine, it was a $6 million, okay, 24X, someone did the math for me, thank you. Um, a $250,000, now what is it if it's $19 million? Uh, 
I, I mean, the math is a no-brainer if you're a company. Of course you're going to give money. A McKinsey spokesperson said the behest of payment was for pro bono consulting to the nonprofit California Forward. Now, to link it all up, California Forward, kind of linking it to the TikTok I did today about Sarah Jacobs, the 53rd congressional woman who is daughter of billionaire Qualcomm founders. That was the pack that gave money and launched attack ads on behalf. So her billionaire grandparents gave money. They launched big attack ads on her opponent at the last minute. California forward. So there they are showing up again. Um, The nonprofit California forward, which was working in tandem with the governor's office of business and economic development to assess the economic impact of the pandemic. Uh, It keeps going on and on and on. Keeps talking and keeps talking. Uh, When Brown, when they're talking about Brown, they're talking about governor moonbeam was nearing the end of his final term in office and didn't have a campaign that political donors could contribute to. Donors instead made behest of payments to two charter schools that the former Oakland mayor founded in that city. Prior to Governor Moonbeam, then-Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger used behested payments to cover his travel expenses and to raise millions for the after-school all-star program that he founded. In most cases, the behested payments are tax-deductible, said Michael Simkovich a professor of law and accounting at USC Gold School of Law. Um, then someone goes on to say there are a variety of reasons it can be beneficial to shareholders, but that doesn't mean it's not good for society. It can be both. And then somebody goes on to say, going forward, if they continue, there will be more of a critical eye about what the purpose is, and there should be more demand for accountability and explanation, Romero said. Uh, Romero is the director of Center for Inclusive Democracy at USC. It's generally a good thing if private organizations want to donate, but there are other pathways than through the government that don't give an impression, if not the reality, of an unfair advantage. I think we need to be critical. If we get the golden goose, you have to be critical of why it's being given. 19 million will be 76 times. Thank you for the math. I don't have it in front of me. Um, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I, I know what to say. Um, it's not shocking in California that Gavin Newsom is doing this. And just let me know. Do you think that it's a good thing that these behested payments are basically pay to play? Which is what they, based on this article, that's what it seems like they are. They seem like they are pay to play where you get in front of the line by paying a certain amount of donation, even if it's a small donation for some companies, $250,000 is nothing. And you make 76 times that in no bid special contracts. That seems like pay to play. Um, It seems like you're currying favor. It seems like you're getting in front of the line. It just doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem that these private companies are doing this outbidding each other because most companies can't afford to give this type of money to get these enormous contracts, these big no bid contracts from the government. Instead, it's only the biggest companies that are allowed to get in front. Um, so that's where we're at. They are basically getting in line to take your taxpayer money that they're giving back to them at 76 times. So it doesn't, to round this all up, why this has to do with the last article I was talking about is because you can see that the the symbiotic relationship 
between big tech and Gavin Newsom is very, very tight. And in fact, they're probably be working together on this recall effort. And like I said, I fully expect that once this recall gets going and once we know what date it is and everybody gets going, I would expect that big tech is going to start censoring a lot of information about the recall. I'm going to expect that there's going to be a lot of stuff that they say is community guidelines violations and people are going to be taken down. I expect that there's going to be a lot of people whose users and profiles might be taken down or banned or suspended because they're misinformation about Gavin Newsom during the recall, which is scary. So even though we got to this point where there's going to be a recall, we still have a long way to go. It's going to be a hard fought battle um, for the recall, but it's going to be a long two years because not only do we have this recall coming up, but we also have 2022. So regardless of Regardless of what happens, regardless of what happens, Newsom has to really run two campaigns and he's going to be making a lot of calls to a lot of friends because he's got to try and fight it out in two campaigns. Hopefully it's only one campaign. Hopefully it's the one campaign and he gets knocked out and then we go on and we're done with Newsom forever. So at this point, I want to leave some time to open it up for questions. Um, I see there's two questions right now, so I'm going to go to them right now and discuss them. So this is a new part of the podcast. Never done this before. Uh, Which candidate will get we, the people engaged to make changes? Um, Are you talking about gubernatorial candidate? The one who I guess has the best chance of winning um, and likely will probably beat Gavin Newsom. Um, it, it, it's tough because I don't think there's one candidate. I think someone like a Richard Grinnell, if he's doing a pack that gets people involved, that's very helpful. And that's why I think Richard Grinnell might be more powerful behind the scenes than actually out in front. Um, I think he has more larger impact outside than inside. So that's tough to say. Uh, But again, one candidate is not going to really galvanize people. It's really up to people to really get up and do it every single locality, every community and every county. So I hope that answered your question. There's another question. Let me pull that up. Is this the same question? I saw something about 2A rights in California, but can't recall what I said. Uh, Yeah, there's a federal case happening. Um, that the judge is allowing them to proceed on the question of uh, the gun roster. I think it's the the roster. Um, So the federal judge, pretty sure it's probably coming out of the Southern District because that's where all the pro-gun legislation comes out. Thankfully, down here in the Southern District, in the federal court, we have Judge Benitez, also known as St. Benitez, um, by some uh, gun enthusiasts because he was part of the whole Freedom Week uh, Freedom Day, he kind of uh, got rid of the ban on a, a couple things. So they called him St. Benitez for a while. He's very pro-Second Amendment. He's a very conservative judge. So I think they're they're proceeding with against the roster and whether the roster is constitutional or not. So we're going to see where that goes. We talked about the Supreme Court case earlier this week and how it's really going to have an impact on carry and conceal across the nation. Now, it's just this one question of New York, but once it sets precedent, 
people can cite to that precedent and then say, this is what the Supreme Court says, and that's the law of the land, because there's no one higher than the Supreme Court in terms of courts, and that's it. There's no way to argue around the Supreme Court. And we can argue against the Supreme Court and say they got it wrong, but um, you'd have to do it on appeal. Okay, let's keep them going. Questions, questions, questions. Did I answer this question? I did answer this question. So this is exciting. I'm getting like real live questions right now. Um, someone says, my dad is 86 years old and feels due to the majority of the voters being Dems. There is no way we can defeat Newscom. What are your thoughts? My thought is, like Kevin Kiley tweeted out, and I think someone put it up in the chat just a couple seconds ago, is that uh, 68%, according to Kevin Kiley, I don't know where he got that poll from, said that people are either middle of the road or conservative. And I think that's that bears out when you look at stuff like the propositions that passed or did not pass last year. You saw that there was a conservative tilt to pretty much all the propositions and how they fell, which shows you that most of California is probably more conservative, middle of the road. So really, it's about someone who can appeal and create that coalition. It's going to be tough. And we've talked about this before plenty of times that it's maybe one extreme or the other. Someone who's super conservative may not be able to appeal to the middle ground, the moderate Democrats, the independents. Those are the people they're going to have to create a coalition with. Um, whether that person is out there, whether that candidate can do it, we'll have to see. Um, and we'll go from there, but it has to be a candidate who can create that coalition. They're going to have to take a little bit from three different boxes. They're gonna have to take from the Republican independent or the undecided, and they're going to have to take from the Democrats as well. So there's still a chance. I think there's still a chance. And I think there's a lot of open minds in California at this moment, which again, I've said this before and before I, I kind of repeat myself, but it's important to keep saying it over and over again. We have this small window in California right now, right now, we have this very small window in California right now where there's a lot of hearts and minds that are open to change and they're open to a different idea. And we have to make sure that we don't screw it up by putting out someone who's not going to win or has no chance. We could change the trajectory of the state by putting out someone or supporting someone who may change the hearts and minds of thousands of voters and then change the political alignment. Mets mug action. Yeah. Even as bad as they are, I'm still a Mets fan. Uh, who fits the criteria I just mentioned? Um, he's called a rhino, but, um, logistically probably Kevin Faulkner might be the most appealable. I think there's a lot of people who, I mean, they don't like Kevin Faulkner because he's a rhino or they say he's a rhino. Um, we need someone who will work, not just win. Yeah, I agree. You need someone who's going to work and know how to work the government and who's familiar with it, which is another kind of point in Kevin Faulkner's because he's been the mayor of a huge city and had to work with the state of California. But that's not to say that another candidate can't come along and change hearts and minds. I mean, we still have a very small pool and I think there's going to be a lot of other people who are going to be jumping in. I don't, Caitlyn Jenner, I don't think is going to be that person, but let's see. There's some more questions popping up. Uh, does Travis Allen have a chance? I don't think Travis Allen is running. I think I saw a picture of Travis Allen. He looks like he put on a little bit of weight. Maybe he got that quarantine 15 like that. 
How can we get Dominion out of California? Okay, so this is a good question. This is something I talk about a lot. Your counties actually are in control of your elections. So what happens is, is you have to get your counties under control. And once you get your counties under control, you can start to get them to implement sort of uh, the changes that you want. Um, that's basically it. So when I say like you have to focus on your county supervisors and your local officials, that's who I'm talking about is that you really have to focus on them because they have that impact where they can change whether Dominion is allowed into it or it's just going to be paper ballot. So that's how you get it out of California. And it has to be sort of like county by county. So do, do, do. what about Luciano? Uh, I know nothing about him. Homelessness is a big topic. Yep, that's right. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. But I think homelessness is a symptom of a bigger issue here in California. And that issue is the cost of living. It's just expensive to live. It's just expensive to live in California, and it's not easy for middle class uh, to live here. Um, in terms of, there's really it's hard when it's expensive, and it's hard when there's no room for error in California because it's so expensive. You don't really have a way to build up some sort of safety net. Drugs is an issue as well. Sometimes it's kind of a chicken and egg. Do people turn to drugs because they're on the streets and the they're depressed or that they're sad they lost their home um but i think it's it's not homelessness in a sense of that's just its own problem in a vacuum homelessness is an issue of the cost of living here in california and that's what it comes down to mental illness is also an issue as well Uh, when they got rid of a lot of mental institutions that was a problem what do you think about splitting california up into multiple states I know they've tried it before. I don't think it'll ever happen. One thing I did think was interesting, and I wish they could, I wish we could implement this just on a experimental basis. And maybe that's something I could do and look a little bit more into. Um, Mets mug action again. Is if we ran a electoral college here in California, like we broke up all the counties and gave them electoral votes and instead of it just being a popular vote, like they have to win a certain amount of the electoral votes out of the 58 states. That'd be interesting because there's 58 states that are completely different, completely diverse. Uh, but where I don't think everyone's well represented. Any more questions? Do you think if Trump endorses Rick and L, that will help get the most people engaged? No. And I've said this before. The problem with Richard Grinnell is the stain and not the stain but the attachment of trump is not helpful in california because again it helps with republicans it will galvanize republicans but republicans are only 25 percent of the overall vote voter registration total um so even if you had someone who got a hundred percent of that 25 percent you're still going to get clobbered in any sort of election any statewide election because you just don't have the numbers so that's why anybody who really has that Trump attachment to them, it's going to be detrimental to their run and probably make them dead in the water. I'm in for Caitlin. There's no better way to get a conservative in. I don't even know if she's actually conservative. So doesn't Kevin agree with mandating the vax? 
I don't think I've heard him talking about mandating the vaccine, but I could certainly look into that. All right. Time for a couple more questions. I like to usually end the podcast around 45. This has been a lot of fun. Let me know in the comments if you enjoyed watching me record this podcast and being a part of this. Uh, Again, this is a little bit more different than what we do on Wednesdays, which is the Coffee in California Politics, where I just kind of hop on, we sit, we chat, we talk about whatever comes up. Um, So let me know in the comments what you think. It looks like we have one more question. Who's my pick? Uh, I haven't picked anybody yet. You know, I want to see everybody all together. So... I don't want to make a pick just yet. I want to see all the options. I want to see everybody's policies. I'd love to see a debate about all this. So, oh, so people are, okay. Is that a yes, everybody? Um, Please say yes. I'll post this. I think what I'll do, if this is, if everybody loved this, and I apologize to my audio listeners right now, it sounds weird because I'm talking to Instagram while on the podcast, but just keep in mind, I'm keep talking to my listeners or the followers. If this is a big hit and everybody likes it, what I'll do is we can, no way, no way, Jericho Beast, there is no way that I'm going to drink out of a Yankees mug. My fiance would leave me in a heartbeat if I drank out of a Yankees mug. She's a diehard Red Sox fan, so there's no way I would do that. Um, So, okay, everybody loved it. So, again, I'll do this next. We'll just, we'll start doing this every week, 3 p.m. on Fridays. Uh, we'll do this whole thing where we record the podcast. I'll put aside 10 or 15 minutes. You guys are very active. I love that. Um, so that is awesome. And I will definitely Yankees toilet paper. That, that probably would fit in our household. Um, but I, I, what I'll do is after this is over, I will definitely post this so you can share it and people can listen to it. But also if they don't want to sit there and watch the video, here's how you can have them listen to the podcast. They can go to the link in my bio. And it's at anchor.fm forward slash California underground. They can listen to it there, but they can also listen if they go to Apple, if they go to Spotify, if they go to Google, it's kind of distributed up against all the distributed, all the different podcast places. So if they want to listen to it while they're in their car or they're at work, they don't want to sit here and listen to me ramble into a phone for 45 minutes. That's how they can do it. But this is a good way if people are on Instagram that they can see it as well. Um, so yeah, you're the first IG live I've ever started watching in a few years. Oh, thanks. It means a lot to me. Think about how the clown Murphy was behind de Blasio. Yeah. I still have friends and family in New Jersey, so I feel bad. I hear all the horror stories about them. I will, I will definitely save it. What about Cox? Cox is a loser. Uh, You know, that's one person I'm definitely not going to be supporting. He got walloped in 2018 and he didn't even put up a fight. So I'm pretty adamant about not Cox. Okay. I got four more questions real quick. We're going to run through these. Does Pelosi have a big influence in California politics? Um, she does because she raises money and money talks. So that helps. Um, sadly, the, on state level politics, not so much, but on federal stuff. Yeah. Let's see. Going to get through a couple more. This is like lightning round. When do we vote for a new governor? I haven't heard the the date yet, but um, Diego Martinez, who's usually on here, he said it's probably going to be around October. Do, 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 do. Okay, last couple. I'm going to sign off for the day. 
When will the recall election be? I already answered that question. And how do you feel about Cox? Yeah, I've already said no on Cox. I, I think he's not a fighter. Um, and I, yeah, I don't think he's he's worth the time. Who would I like to see run? I, you know, I wish Travis Allen, someone like a Travis Allen would run, but he might be too conservative. So Kevin Kiley, I like him better in the assembly. September, it could be September, it could be October around that time. But the Secretary of State does have to announce it pretty soon. All right. With that, thank you, everybody, again, for listening and tuning in. This has been a lot of fun. This made the podcast even more exciting to all my audio listeners who only listen on the audio. If you're not following me on Instagram, you're missing out on all this fun of people sitting, chatting on the Instagram live, being a part of this community uh, and interacting with the podcast. So, again, Every Wednesday morning, 9 a.m., we do the Coffee in California Politics, where we sit, we chat, you bring your coffee, you bring your California poli- your, your, your topics, your California uh, topics you want to discuss. We sit and we chat for an hour, and we have no idea where it goes. Sometimes it's wild. Um, next, now we're, I guess it's going to be the new thing. Every Friday at 3 p.m., log on here, 3 p.m., we're going to do the podcast. You'll be a part of it. Bring your questions. Be a part of it. Um, And I will see you guys on the next one. Thanks a lot. for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it, and follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 